0: Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. If you feel triggered to constantly pick up your phone and are left feeling distracted or anxious, this conversation is for you. Today, we're speaking about how to improve your relationship with your phone and achieve screen life balance. And to lead this conversation, I am joined by award-winning science journalist, speaker, and author, Catherine Price, to share insights from her international bestseller, How to Break Up with Your Phone, the 30-day plan to take back your life. Catherine's goal is to help us keep what we love about our phones and minimize or eliminate what we don't. And together we discuss the power of mindfulness training to help us notice our triggers and find alternative ways to satisfy our brains without turning to our phones. Plus, we talk about the implications that come with overusing our phones, and the steps that we can take to set boundaries and regain control. You will be encouraged to curb your phone use and think about how you would like to spend the time back that you gain once you've gone through a phone breakup. Be inspired to take a step back from your phone, feel good, and get back to what really matters. Catherine says, quote, start with a breakup and end with a breakthrough. Okay, well, it's very nice to meet you. I I have to say that I absolutely loved your book. Your book was so incredibly helpful for me. I think maybe just coming out of the pandemic, I've become more anxious around my phone. I know a lot of my friends have as well. Uh-huh. And I feel so much more comfortable around my phone now. And even oh, with good. it being in my environment, which before I feel anxious and I want to grab it, you know? So, so That's thank great. you for that. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Thank you for telling me that. That's very cool.
0: Yeah, of course. And then also the opening of your book. was so engaging basically you open from the perspective of speaking directly to your phone and (laughs) i i thought i would i thought and it just shows how inseparable we are with our phones today. And so I thought I'd start off by sharing a line from your book because I feel like it really, really pulls readers in. You say, quote, it wasn't long before we were doing everything together, taking walks, having lunch with friends, going on vacations. At first, it seemed strange that you wanted to come with me to the bathroom, but today is just another formerly private moment for us to share. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that stood out to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually funny because I I recently heard an interview, when I wrote that, I was like, well, should I put that line in there? It's kind of gross. But I recently heard an interview with Elon Musk where he was talking about how he's always tweeting from the toilet. And I was like, TMI, Elon, like, we don't want to know that, but it's so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Alan's an interesting dude.
1: Right. Right.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I thought it was funny, but I also scary in ways. It's so true. It's it's a body part now. It's a piece of us. And so when when we're we don't have it on us, we feel detached in ways. We're like, oh gosh, like I feel like I'm missing something.
1: I think there's actually a study recently that talked about people viewing their phone as an appendage, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. yes, I mean, that, that book, uh, how to break up with your phone came out in 2018. So it's been really interesting to me how interest has not waned and it doesn't, I was worried it would feel out of date, but you know, there's like some specific recommendation, like some of the apps might not exist anymore, but the book itself, I'm like, oh man, unfortunately it's still relevant.
0: <laughs> oh, very much. So I think, especially coming out of COVID, everybody is, has this new relationship with the phone. It's almost like a newfound FOMO. It's like, oh, well. There's all these things happening. So you're on your phone, you want to go to all these things and there's so much, you know, back and forth. And so I think that our conversation will be super, super helpful for our listeners today. So to get started, you are a science journalist and you help us step back from our phones and uncover our triggers so that we can achieve what you say, screen life balance. And before we go into your helpful takeaways, I'm hoping you can share the experiences that made you realize that you need to break up with your phone.
1: Uh, sure. So really what triggered how to break up with your friend was a couple different things. I, mo- the most important of which was that in 2015, I had my daughter. So I had a new baby, which happened to be at the same time that my husband and I were doing a house renovation project, and uh, which is relevant. And, and I wouldn't say that I'm, well, I know that I've never been someone who cares very much about social media in particular. So that was not my issue. But I had a real thing where I was spending a lot of time on eBay, in particular mm. looking for antique details and like vintage, you know, architectural salvage to work into this kitchen renovation, including a lot of time spent looking at old doorknobs and hinges on eBay, which I bring up just because it seems absurd. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you seems absurd, but that's what I was doing. That was like my version of Instagram was was hinges. So anyway, I remember having a night with my daughter where I was up in the middle of the night feeding her and just maybe because of the sleep deprivation had this kind of out of body experience where I could see what it would look like to someone outside of the experience. And there was this little baby who was looking up at her mother. And there was her mother who was looking down at her phone. And it just made me feel devastated. You know, I was like, I don't want that to be her impression of a relationship with me. (laughs) And I don't want to be living my own life that way. And it was an additional layer of absurdity that what was I doing was I looking at something important? No, I was looking at like hinges. I was like scrolling through hinges. So anyway, so that was a moment in which I realized, wow, I really need to change. And I have a background in mindfulness and like to think that I'm a self-aware person to begin with. So I was like, all right, this can't continue. But also, I'm not the only person who's struggling with this. It's just that at that point, that was sometime in 2016 that that happened. You know, there weren't that many talking, many people talking about the issue, let alone providing solutions. So that's when I decided mm-hmm. to write How to Break Up With Your Phone.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and I know a lot of us We'll walk the streets with our AirPods and we'll listen to podcasts or listen to music. And we go for that walk and we think, wow, what did I even see? Because you're not, you're not, you're looking, but you're not noticing. Right.
1: So. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the big issues with our phones. Like I should also say, I'm not anti-technology at all. You know, using technology right now to communicate between Toronto and Philadelphia. Like it's pretty amazing. But I, and I think that there's many wonderful things that we do on our phones. And I like, you know, listening to music sometimes when I walk around, and doing things like that. But it is interesting and often upsetting to then realize, well, if you're constantly paying attention to either what's on your screen or you're putting things into your ears while you're walking around, like you can't pay attention to more than one thing at once. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think many of us really make a conscious decision about where to direct our attention. We get into these habits, whether of our own doing or because we've been manipulated into creating these habits by persuasive design tricks from the app makers and then we don't kind of realize that a lot of our life is passing us by and i mean again you can only pay attention to one thing at a time so Mm -hmm. it's not that i guess what i'm saying is we just need to be more intentional about that you don't want to let that happen without your conscious decision about what to pay attention to like if you want to be paying attention to the podcast and you don't (laughs) really care about seeing the the walk that you're going on, or whatever, that's fine. But I think a lot of times we go on autopilot, and we don't really recognize that. Oh my goodness, I actually missed everything that just happened because I was paying attention to something on my phone.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people they'll take time to rest, but then they end up scrolling while they're resting. Yeah. So yeah, th- that's something to think about. And I, I do want to remind our listeners that in in your book, you you don't tell us to dump our phones. You're like these technologies are amazing, and we can we can use the benefits of them. You you really just encourage us to build a better relationship with our phones. Yeah, and- I like to
1: think about it as being like a human relationship. Like if you break up with someone, you're not saying I'm never gonna date another human being. You're just saying that relationship was not healthy and I wanna step back from that so I can create or find something that's better for me. So that's what I'm encouraging us to do with our phones.
0: Yeah, and I think you're, the title of your book really pulls people in. It's so interesting <laughs> because I, I was telling my boss's wife the other day, I mean, this is when I first started reading your book, I said, I'm feeling really anxious around my phone these days. And immediately she sent me a screenshot of your book. And I said, no way. And I sent her a screenshot of your book. I was like, I'm literally reading this right now. So oh, really,
1: that's so cool so, it's very yeah. cool to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you would like
0: that. Cause I was like, wow, a lot of people are know, know about your book. And again, I've told a few people in my network about this book. They're like, wow. I mean, it pulls people in because I think a lot of us can relate to our phones being a security blanket in ways. And we pick up our phones when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling bored and, again, people know that th- there's they're losing something in that process. And, and maybe you can share a little bit more about like when we're distracting ourselves in these moments, what are we losing?
1: I think we're losing a lot of things. I mean, we're obviously, you know, you could argue that we're gaining some things depending on what you're doing on your phone, but we're definitely missing out on everything else. So I think that, you know, we have so much FOMO about missing out on whatever might be on our phone, you know, a text message, a phone call, a social media post, a news story, an email, whatever. But we rarely think about it in the other direction, which is that when you are paying attention to every new notification that comes in on your phone, what are you missing out on in the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, if you look around, if if everyone listening just does a little experiment the next couple of days and just try to act almost like a scientist and observe people on their phones as you walk around, you'll be kind of shocked. I mean, it's it, we kind of accept it as commonplace, but, you know, like, it's a little, it is crazy to text someone while you're driving on the highway. And it is crazy to not even look up from your phone when you cross a busy intersection. And it's really rude if you check your phone in the middle of a conversation with a friend or, you know, you're on your phone while your kid is trying to play with you. Like, that's rude. I had a friend who wrote this really great essay that um, <laughs> suggested that we imagine that people were doing something different instead of those activities. Like imagine you're out for lunch with a friend and in the middle of your conversation, they just pull out a full newspaper and put it between the two of you and they read two sentences and then they shut it and they put it away and they act like they've done a big deed by now they're paying attention to you maybe the newspaper's face down on the table right and then like 30 seconds later they pick up the newspaper again and read one line like it would be crazy but that's exactly what we're doing so we're missing out on a lot of um, human connections which is ironic because we turn to our phones for human connection we're missing out on the little fleeting connections like the little eye contact with a stranger or the tiny moment of small talk with the person next to you in line which might not seem like a lot but that actually does a lot to boost our moods and also to create a sense of community and belonging to create these kind of little threads that connect us as human beings. You know, mm-hmm. we're also destroying our ability to focus. We're training our brains to be incredibly distractible. So if people feel like their memory shot or their concentration is not what it used to be, like, you're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's in large part because we're training ourselves to constantly be, you know, shifting our attention to our phones. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Like, I, I, The more I've researched and thought about this, the more concerned I've become about the subtle, but very deep effects that existing in a constant state of distraction is having on us, both individual as individuals and as a species.
0: Yeah, yeah. Having on us, but also those around us too, right? Your research, you focus on mindfulness even just going to the grocery store and pulling out your AirPods when you're going to check out so that you can be present with someone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just being respectful of them, right? Yeah, I think and- we, we
1: really are not acting with respect and it's become so commonplace. We barely notice it anymore. But like, I, I don't know, I remember, I remember my first encounter with someone on a cell phone. I remember it distinctly <laughs> it was in Central Park in New York and there was this person just talking to themselves. Like, really loudly. And, you know, like, I grew up in New York. I kind of have this, like, as many people, do, natural thing. If someone's talking loudly to themselves, you'd try to cross the street. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? This guy's wearing a business suit. Like, he doesn't, he's not showing, it doesn't look like he's crazy, but he's acting crazy. And I was like, oh, he's got this thing that he's talking to. It's a phone. You know, it was like crazy. I think that's so funny that I still remember that. But anyway, you know, we've now, we never really thought about, what the etiquette should be around our devices. And so now we are interacting with them all the time. And they're often taking precedence over the real life human beings around us. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to me that even animals can pick up on this. Like, there's a really interesting documentary um, that Diane Sawyer did before the pandemic. It was just called Screen Time. And they had viewers send in clips of Various ways that phones were affecting them. So some of them were like kids having total freaking meltdown tantrums when phones were taken away from them, but other ones which were upsetting separately, but other ones were of people whose pets we swiping the phones out of their hands, like cats who are like going for it, or dogs that were inserting themselves between the owner and the screen. Wow. And I just think that, and I've actually heard that anecdotally from a number of people myself. And I think that that's just very telling where we act like other people aren't really noticing or our kids don't really notice. Like they can't tell we're not really paying attention to them. It's like your your dog knows that you're doing that. Yeah. So we're just fooling ourselves.
0: Yeah. And dogs are really smart that way. They, they, know when,
1: they know when you're giving your, them attention. They know when you're not. <laughs> exactly. And they will let you know that they want your attention. So, <laughs> And we all know what it, that it feels bad when someone does that to us. It's like, you know, when your friend is just, uh-huh, like, uh-huh, and, or you're like on the phone with someone and you can hear the keyboard clacking and you know they're writing an email while you're talking and you're like, come on, you know, but we somehow don't flip that around and recognize that we do it to other people. I mean, and also like, it's not a belief that multitasking isn't a thing. That's a scientific fact. Our brains just can't pay attention to two cognitively demanding things at once. So like, sure, you can knit and have a conversation or you can fold the laundry and listen to the radio because those are very different parts of your brain, Mm -hmm. but you can't write an email and have a conversation or play a word game and talk to someone. You just can't. There's a great quote from this uh, Buddhist monk who says, you know, can the, he's like, the brain cannot think two thoughts at the same time. Like basically try it can you do it? And it's like, well, no, you can't think two thoughts at the same time because mm-hmm. the thought is entirely absorbing. And that's exactly what multitasking is, is essentially trying to think two thoughts at the same time. Your yep. brain, it's really better described as rapid task switching. And, um, you know, and as I say in my book, like if you think about in terms of our productivity, if you think about driving a car, right, like if you're going 60 miles down the highway and you have to make a sharp right-hand turn to do something else, you're going to have to slow down and then speed back up and then slow down and turn back to the direction you were going. So in that sense, it's also detrimental because every time you are task switching, you're actually interrupting your productivity and slowing yourself down. So anyway, I throw that out there because I know a lot of people have like multitasker on their resumes and that actually is a bad thing to aspire to. And the people who think they're the best at multitasking tend to be the worst at it.
0: Uh, that's funny. I think I think we have a culture that's obsessed with efficiency, right? I I actually just um I, I just started reading a, a book by Johan Hari. I'm sure you've heard of him. He wrote the book Stolen Focus. And he was saying that the average American office worker focuses on any one task for only three minutes. And and you had people who were shocked, wow, three minutes? That's a long time. Then you had other people <laughs> like, wow, that's really sad.
1: Oh, my God. Well, it's true. I think one of the biggest things our phones are doing to us is preventing us from getting into a state of what's known as flow, which is when you're completely engrossed and present in what you're doing. I mean, often to the point that you lose track of time, but flow is an incredibly productive state. And there's a lot of really interesting research about what happens in your brain when you're in a state of flow. But yeah, so in your state of flow, like three minutes, I mean, when you're in flow, you can have three hours that feel like three minutes. So... There's just so many reasons, I think that we should be thinking more about how to protect our attention. Rang- you know reasons ranging from the effect that distractions having on our relationships to on our ability to get things done. And also just to going back to your original question, in terms of what are we missing out on if we're constantly distracted on our phones? Well, one thing we're missing out on is really absorbing our experiences. And that's very important because the only way you have memories, if you have experiences to begin with like you can't Mm -hmm. remember something if you didn't experience it so if you feel like your life is passing in a blur it might in part because you're so be because you're so distracted all the time and then if you take it a step further and you think okay well you can't have a long-term memory unless you had a short-term memory which you can't have unless you had an experience many of us are really thwarting our ability to have long-term memories and to me that's concerning because if you think about what makes someone creative or insightful to me, that's the ability to draw connections between seemingly unconnected things. But those things are memories or information that you have stored in your brain. So if you're not storing new information, new memories, then how are you going to have an insight? Or how are you going to have a creative thought? It would be like trying to cook a meal when there's nothing in your pantry. Mm -hmm. And as if that's not enough, the actual process of transferring your short-term memories to long-term storage in the brain requires your brain to make new proteins. And one of the things that gets in the way of that process is distraction. So there's a strong argument to be made that when you're constantly distracted, you're, you're not having experiences to remember in the first place. So you've got no ingredients in your pantry, but you're also interrupting the process that you would need to, do, to go through in order to actually store those memories. So, I mean, that's what I say, where like it gets pretty deep and pretty upsetting pretty quickly. And that's where I'm like, oh my goodness, just think about all the thoughts and ideas and insights that are not being had because mm-hmm. we're so distracted all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's ways in which technology spurs creativity. But the constant distraction element of it, I think, is having totally unquantifiable, but really potentially (laughs) serious effects.
0: Mm -hmm. Crazy mental clutter as well. uh, There are days and... even I would say a couple of weeks ago, I was just feeling so mentally cluttered. I was like, I just need to do like a a brain dump. (laughs) I just need Mm -hmm. to go for a walk. And, but don't you remember those days? I I'm, I'm, I'm in 87. Don't you remember those days where I growing up, I would, I was an artist and I would just paint for hours on end. And that was, I was in a flow state the time would just go by. wouldn't even know it would be like three hours later. Like, wow, it just flew by. And at that time I didn't have a phone, but I just remember just be having that focus and that creativity. And, and now I feel like sometimes when you walk down the street without my, my AirPods or, or, or headphones, people look at you weird. It's like, you're just walking. Like, it's almost like you
1: have to have them in your ears, even if they're on silent. I've had experiences taking in ride shares this before the pandemic, but I remember several times where I would just be looking out the window because I was consciously trying to spend those, you know, five, 10 minutes, like just being still and looking out the window. I had more than one driver ask me if I was Okay. <laughs> Oh I was like, god. yes, I'm just looking at the clouds. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, yeah.
0: and, and that's hilarious. Oh my god, That's it's actually sad.
1: Uh, it's, both. And, it's like hilarious. sad. I don't know what the word is for yeah, that. It's and, probably a German word.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. And, and you said, you said, quote in your book, our phones distract us from our emotions. And it's so true. When we're distracting ourselves, we're trying to get away from stuff. You know, uh, yeah. maybe we're anxious in a moment during work. And so we want to pick up our phone and. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should put a screenshot on my phone that says, "Don't pick me up anymore." Or oh, just... I have
1: one of those. If you, they've oh, really? um, got free um, lock screen downloads at ScreenLifeBalance.com. I've got one that says, "Do you really want to pick me up right now?" Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that people can can check out. But yes, I completely agree. I mean. Well, I guess you were just saying my own point to me, so obviously I agree with that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I totally agree with that point you made. Um, no, but I think that to me, at least we use our, I, I think we use our phones in the same way we use substances or drugs as a way to like numb ourselves or to distract ourselves from negative emotions. If you think about it, like you have a glass of wine because you're stressed out, right? But you also turn to Instagram for that reason. You, you, smoke a cigarette because you want you know you're anxious or whatever like there's a lot of similarities in the sort of self-soothing behaviors that we engage in but the irony to me is that in many cases when we do that with our phones we end up feeling worse like if you're mm-hmm. already feeling anxious or insecure for example and you go on to the news or you go on to instagram you're probably not going to come out of that feeling better like I, no. I try to think of my phone as a pandora's box of emotions and be aware that whatever i encounter if i turn it on is probably going to have an impact on my emotional state and while i can't predict that entirely in most cases it's not necessarily going to be a positive outcome you know like best case scenario is maybe i have a pleasant distraction for a minute or like a hit of dopamine but in many cases i mean especially with the news like you're not going to find stories about puppies on the front page and i think the irony also is like okay you can say you should keep up with the news but what we're doing makes absolutely no sense like We're checking the news again and again and again and again and again the same day where, you know, no matter how constant the 24 hour news cycle is, there's not new news. If you think about what we used to do with newspapers, like you'd read the newspaper in the morning and then you were done with the newspaper, you wouldn't come back 30 minutes later and read the same stories again or like remind yourself of the horrible headlines. Like you just wouldn't do that. You would, you would recycle it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, you know, they actually, that would be cool if there was like a vanish mode on news stories where it's like, you saw that already. I'm like, no, that you're not- is right. so smart. I never thought of that before. Wouldn't that be great? Cause it'd be like, no, like you did it. You like, you don't need to read that again. That is great. It would just go and inv- it would just be invisible. It'd just be blank. Exactly. Or you could be like, recycle this content. And then it would like <laughs> just dumped somewhere.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Do you, Do you know any stats around how many minutes it takes for us to get back into focus once we've been distracted?
1: There's some famous study um, that I don't remember whether or not I thought the study itself was designed well, but it was basically like upwards of 20 minutes once you got back on to to get back on task. So if you think about the math there, I mean, again, I'm not sure about the design of these studies. So we're going to assume that they're like legit enough to have this conversation. But if you're focusing for three minutes, and it's taking you 20 minutes to refocus. That's not a very productive day. And the irony is then we like just keep working and working because we feel so unproductive, which burns out our brains going to what you were saying in terms of feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information, you know, your brain is just overwhelmed. Like we are exposing ourselves to this fire hose of information all the time. And we're really tiring out our brain's ability to think, right? So that's why we're so distractible. But then we try to, st- we try to force ourselves to focus more using the exact same part of our brain that we've already overwhelmed with this fire hose of information. And then we wonder why we can't focus. Mm-hmm. So it's this cycle where we're, 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 never giving our brains a break and even the things we're doing to take a quote break are actually just putting more information into our brains and really taxing our working memories and our ability to our executive function essentially like our ability to make decisions and our ability to stay focused and to remember stuff like we're just exhausting that portion of our brain and not recognizing that the solution to that is not to continue to try to work or to continue to scroll It's actually to step away from all of that and give our brains a break, whether it is staring at clouds or if it's doing something entirely differently. Like when I was writing my latest book, which is called The Power of Fun, which is directly related to how to break up your phone. I used to have this habit of, quote, taking a break by checking my email or checking the news. And then I'm like, well, I don't feel rejuvenated. And now. You know, you know how you can see your productivity start to dip throughout the afternoon and you basically are like, I've done nothing for the past three hours. But then I realized if I did something else, like I started taking drum lessons as a result of that book. Oh. If I did something like practice the drums or practice guitar or like go for a little walk outside without my phone and then came back, I'd be so much more productive. So there's this irony where we think we can't take a real break because we need to be productive. But our obsession with productivity it's just making us waste our time and overwhelm our brains and making us less productive. It'd be much better to just take that half hour and truly take a break and then come back.
0: Definitely, definitely. Actually, um, a client of mine, uh, she, we had a Zoom call the other day and I was telling her about our conversation today. And she goes, oh, well, do you see all these bracelets on my wrist? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I picked up this this hobby Because I wanted to, she literally said, "quote Create instead of scroll." She was addicted to scrolling. So then she was like, "I'm just gonna take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and make a bracelet."
1: So she has a bunch of bracelets. Wow, like friendship bracelets or like yeah, like the ones that we used to get when we were younger. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I actually started getting back into friendship bracelets. I just took mine off because I was giving a talk, but I I should put it back. Actually, here's one my daughter made. It is next to me on the oh, that's so cute. That's so funny. I actually had bracelets made that just remind me of my own intention. So I've got these brass bracelets, um, one that says pay attention, which is a reminder to look up essentially. And then another one that says delight, but, um, but I like, these they are like less of a commitment than a tattoo, but they're still, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going through my yourself. head just now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, well, maybe, maybe I won't want to pay attention in 20 years and then I'll just take it off. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So so now considering our smartphones are an extension of ourselves um, and it makes it easier for us to become addicted, uh, can you share one or two changes people can make today to take back control over their phones?
1: Sure. I mean, I think the first thing, which one do I want to start with? All right, I'll start with the practical one and then we'll go philosophical. One practical thing you can do is take the time to adjust your notification settings. I actually think of those as interruptions, not notifications, because notifications suggest that it's really important and that you want to be notified of it. Right. But like in reality, they're really just interrupting you most of the time. And I think that's a useful mind shift to make because then you can get kind of irritated by these interruptions instead of feeling beholden to them. So you can do that on a couple levels in the phone itself. You know, I definitely recommend turning off as many as you possibly can. Start with a bare minimum. Like I only allow notifications for phone calls and text messages because it's people I know trying to reach me directly. Um, and then calendar stuff and navigation so I don't get lost and I don't forget something. But everything else pretty much is off. I'd also recommend using the new focus modes if you have an iPhone and then looking into digital well-being tools on Android devices. Cause like Apple just rolled out this whole focus mode thing where you can have scheduled times when you are or are not interrupted, like bedtime, for example. Um, and then also go into the apps themselves and adjust notification settings there. So for example, Instagram, like you can go into Instagram and decide whether or not you want to find out when anybody in your entire network, like starts a. IGTV thing, like you might just not care, like within Instagram, personally, I only care about direct messages. I don't really care about anything else. So I turned off. There's so many settings in there you can turn off. Wow. Okay. So then you can have a situation where within Instagram, you're only being notified for what you want to know about. And then your phone itself is not going to have Instagram notifications. So you'll only get those notifications slash interruptions if you go into Instagram. And that speaks to the broader point of trying to make your interactions with your phone as intentional as possible. You know, you're not trying to cut back for the sake of cutting back. You're just trying to make sure that when you use your phone, it's because you want to use your phone. And the second thing I was going to say, which is connected to that, is I think that one of the most useful things we can do is have this philosophical shift in how we think about our phones to you know from a temptation that we're trying to avoid to an obstacle that's getting in the way of how we want to live our lives in some cases and one way to help solidify that is to start to break this cycle of the automatic checks well first of all ask yourself what you want to pay attention to right like ask yourself what in your life is actually important because there's a lot of companies that are making a lot of money by getting you to pay attention to their apps And if you want to, that's fine, but I'm going to guess that most people are not going to put like check social media 30 times a day as like a top priority for how to spend your attention. And then the first step in breaking that cycle is to become more aware of when you're using your phone, reaching for your phone and why. So I suggest that you can try an experiment where you put a rubber band or a hair tie around your phone for a couple of days. And the point there is so that when you reach for your phone on autopilot, which you're going to do because it's an ingrained habit, you notice that there's a bander on your phone. Part of your brain's gonna be like, why the heck is there a <laughs> hair tie on my phone? And that's a little bit of a speed bump that will make you slow down and give you a chance to remember to do the second exercise I suggest, which is a practice I came up with called WWW. And that is short for what for, why now, and what else. And how it works is you notice you picked up your phone because of the band or maybe you've cultivated the self-awareness to notice it and then you ask yourself what for like what was my purpose what did i pick up my phone for in this moment was it to call a friend was it to buy something specific off amazon did i have any purpose many cases you realize oh it didn't really have a purpose then you ask yourself why now like why did you do it in this moment was there an actual time related reason like your friend's birthday is coming up or you had to call you know your mom or whatever." Or was it an emotional reason, which is very often the case? So was it because you were feeling a little bit anxious and you were trying to self-soothe? Was it because you were bored or kind of, you know, overwhelmed by what you were doing and you wanted a distraction? Like, were you lonely? Did you want a connection? And then once you identify the emotional driver behind why you reached for your phone or, you know, the actual, the other temporal, driver. You can move on to the next or the last step, which is the what else. And that's where you basically ask yourself, okay, well, given that I now know what I'm after, especially with these emotional ones, what else could I do to achieve the same results or even a better result? So if you're lonely, maybe you could use the phone to call someone instead of going to social media. If you want a distraction, maybe you can go for a walk or do some, you know, read a book for a bit. Like, You can come up with whatever alternatives you want. You might also decide that you don't want to do anything You just want to give your brain a little space. Like for example, if you're on the elevator and you notice you've reached for your phone, maybe you just wait for the elevator to get to the floor. Like, what are you going to do between the first and the sixth floor? You know, Mm -hmm. and then you also might decide at the end of this, what for why now, what else practice that you really do want to be on your phone, that you had a reason or you, you just want to be on it. And that is fine. Like, that's (laughs) great. That's when you should be on your phone because you've gone through this process and you've Determined that it is your choice to be on your phone, so I think that that's just a useful tool and a a practice to get into for the purpose, again, of becoming more intentional and taking back control of your phone, so that you're using it as a tool instead of, as is so often the case, you know. You being the tool
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. having the control for sure I mean you 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 really in your book you talk about mindfulness and and you really focus on how we can change bad habits through mindfulness training which and you also inter- you also referenced Jed Brewer we just interviewed him and I was like oh, oh nice. no, that's great. <laughs> Small little world. And uh, he he similarly talks about how we should step back and, and, and uncover our, our triggers and feel those sensations and kind of figure out, okay, so what are the reasons why, again, back to your WWW, which I, when I first heard you say that, because I was listening to your audiobook, I started asking myself, Those questions in that moment, because in that moment I happened to pick up my phone.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so great! And yeah, did it help? I hope it helped.
0: (laughs) It did help. It it, well, it made me think, right? It made Uh me think in that moment. So, so yeah, it did help. And and I'm thinking it more. I'm thinking about it more and more and more. It's. I'm glad that you made it www because that that sits in my mind. That that locks in my brain. I Uh, also
1: made there's a the same thing when I was saying there's a lock screen image I made that. do you really want to pick me up right now? There's also one that says what for, why now, what else? So again, yeah, screenlifebalance.com. I put a lot, there's a lot of resources there for people. But I think Jed Brewer, one of the things that points he he makes that I think is so important and really useful on a practical level is to pay attention to your body. Because I remember talking to him at some point and he was just talking about like the feeling of clenching versus the feeling of openness. And you really can feel that. I mean, if you try to get into the practice of just checking in with yourself after you look up from a mindless scrolling session, right? Where you're like, oh my God, what just happened? Or really, even if it's a short session of using an app that you know is very time sucking for you and noticing how your body feels and then contrast that to how your body feels at other points during the day. I mean, you know, you could even like set a timer or something every couple hours just as a little reminder to yourself. I've never tried this myself, but it occurs to me it would be a really interesting, useful idea. So that when that timer goes off. It's like, oh, okay, how, what am I doing? And how am I feeling both emotionally and also physically? I think we often don't tune into what our bodies are telling us, but they're constantly communicating to us if we would only listen to them. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, Jed has a lot of really interesting research on that in regards to mindfulness in particular. Do
0: you ever have moments where you do feel anxious and you're, you think, oh, why do I feel anxious in this moment? And then you think deep and you're like, oh yeah, this just happened. (laughs) (laughs)
1: like yeah yeah step away yeah definitely i mean i think it's just useful because first of all to recognize that that feeling is anxiety or that you know or fear or discomfort or anger or whatever it might be or happiness or excitement or something positive you know but like what is that it's something that i try to help my daughter with she's now seven and we do a lot of stuff about like what is your body telling you but it's like we adults don't do that for ourselves so it's really i think useful to just Yeah, like, I don't know. I remember seeing a talk by um, Ken Robinson. I think it was his one of his TED talks, but he just talked about how so often we act like we're just um, like heads being carried around on bodies, like our bodies only purpose is to carry our brain around, essentially, and how we should really try to connect the two because it's we're not just, you know, neck up. So anyway, that's something that I'm fascinated by personally and trying to do more of myself, even in terms of decision-making, right? It's like, how does this actually make me feel? Even if I can rationalize why I should or should not say yes to this, like what's my body feeling? Mm. Um, Anyway, work in progress, but somewhat tangential to what we're talking about. But I think there's just so much information we can get from our bodies if we pay attention.
0: Yeah. I like your point about that. I mean, I remember back in the day, I I would have a difficult time making decisions about opportunities and I'd be like, okay, well, let's say I chose this opportunity on the right how would i feel okay mm-hmm. let's say i chose this opportunity in the lab how would i feel and then it helps me make that decision
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i think yeah i'm trying to do that myself too i think often though we think how does it make me feel and we use like words that would be more emotional rather than like no no let's like close my eyes for a second and pretend i made that decision how do i really feel physically mm-hmm. right like anyway that's been on my mind a lot because i've been making some decisions recently where i was like oh i need to see if my like yeah. Like, do I feel light? Do I feel expansive? Or do I feel kind of like constricted just thinking about it? Because that's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. sign, no matter what the other good stuff is, like that's a sign that I'm probably at some point going to regret having said yes to that.
0: Yeah. Listen to your body, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And your gut, they say it's your first
1: brain. So well, yeah. I mean, there's neurons <laughs> in your gut, which is side, as a side note, totally fascinating. What are they doing there? I, I would like to know. probably trying to talk to us. (laughs) Probably, probably.
0: And they probably are. So, so as a, as a solution to those who are constantly picking up their phones and and checking their phones, you recommend a trial separation with our phones or a phone breakup challenge to help us better understand our emotional and situational triggers, you say, and find alternative rewards. Now, what would this look like?
1: So, so the trial separate, so let me back up and how to break up with your phone. I, I, as I was alluding to earlier, I really wanted to provide solutions, not just like scare people because all the books Mm -hmm. I could find at that point were like, oh, terrifying, but good luck. And so I was like, no, I want to actually give people a plan. So the first half of the book is a look at why it's so hard to look away from our phones and also what that's doing to us in different areas of our lives. But the second half is a 30-day plan, mindfulness-inspired and, you know, evidence-backed, designed to help people take back control of their phones and design new, healthier relationships. That are right for them so it's a whole 30-day thing but as part of that and again like the goal is not to dump your phone so i'm actually never suggesting unless you want to that you'd like throw your phone into a river or something like that but i do recommend as part of it that you take a 24-hour what i call trial separation um which is basically what it sounds like where you just don't use your phone at all for 24 hours maybe do 48 if you want i know some people enjoy doing this for a whole weekend wow but it's a really interesting conversation starter with other people so if you know someone who claims that they don't have a problem with their phone and you don't know how to broach the subject maybe blame our conversation right now and say oh yeah (laughs) suggested you know kelly and Catherine said i should take a 24-hour break will you join me but the idea is basically to give you a a concrete sense of your like how your phone is affected you and then also to give you the experience of taking a break because honestly when's the last time you really took a break from your phone like when's the last time you turned your phone totally off like do you even know how to turn your phone totally off right Mm -hmm. and what i've found both from personal experience and from what people have told me who've tried this is that the first evening i normally do this from friday to saturday nights i kind of like it as a kind of like sabbath idea but yeah The first evening, you're probably going to feel super twitchy and anxious, and your brain is going to start pinging you with all of these, like, oh, don't you need to check that? Oh, didn't you need to buy like five things off of Amazon, like right now? Like, don't you You know, oh, what if so-and-so texted you, or what if you missed that post? And so it's helpful to have like a notebook or something to write down some of these things. um, So you can be like, all right, brain, like we'll deal with that tomorrow. The next day, though, a lot of people report this feeling of calm where you wake up and you're like oh how did I get so much done by 11 o'clock in the morning which is a real thing like there's a phenomenon called dissociation where we kind of separate from our experiences and it makes our perception of time speed up and being on screens creates that so if you feel like time flies when you're on your phone but not in a good way not like the flow way but more like oh my god what the heck just happened in the past two hours you're kind of dissociating so when you're actually engaged in your life you may be amazed by how time seems to expand and then what a lot of people report by the end happening by the end of the day is that you feel this odd sense of calm and this mm-hmm. feeling of presence and this feeling of oh i'm not actually sure that i want to turn my phone back on and have all of these things dinging at me so it's very interesting you know it, it does take a bit of preparation because as we've been talking about so much of what we in our daily lives now happens via our phones that you need to make plans ahead of time it's useful to communicate to people that you're doing this so you don't have fomo about leaving people hanging but if you can create if you can prepare yourself then it's really a very interesting experience both just to like open your eyes in terms of how deep our cravings have become Mm -hmm. and what our brains are actually doing like it is changing our brains but then also for the sense of expansiveness and in many cases relaxation that can occur when you actually do take a break. So yeah, I really recommend it as an experiment uh, for listeners to try. And there's I also have a um a preparation guide, a free preparation guide okay. on screenlifebalance.com too. So it's like tips for a successful twenty four hour, you know, separation.
0: Oh, that's so great. And, and and when it comes to uh satisfying our triggers, what are some alternative rewards? Maybe maybe from your own perspective, what do you turn to when you yeah, turn
1: actually think Thank you for bringing that up because that's something I think many of us don't think about is that using our willpower is a horrible way to change a habit because eventually our willpower is going to wear out, right? And we're going to go back to the habit that we're trying to change. But if you can provide yourself with an alternative that's more appealing or that's easy, then it's going to be a lot easier to stick to this new habit. So broadly speaking, like one thing I recommend is people get their phones out of their bedrooms, like charge it in another room. Don't charge it next to your bed and get a standalone alarm clock. Right. But then you got to put something on your bedside table where the phone used to be, because otherwise you're going to, you're going to resist it for like two to three nights and then you're going to want it and you're going to bring it back into bed and you're going to feel like a failure and it's just like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like not a- going to work. But if you, you know, you say, oh, what do I want to do? Well, I want to write in my journal before bed or I want to read a book or I want to do this project. Put that on your bedside table instead so that when you reach for your phone on autopilot, you have this pre-identified positive alternative the same thing is true just in general with fun. Like the more fun things you have in your schedule and the more playful interactions you're having with people in real life, the less you're going to want to be on your phone to begin with because the other stuff is just better. So if you can figure out the activities that feel fun to you or that bring you a sense of joy and you prioritize those things, the pull of your phone is going to be reduced just kind of naturally. And for me personally, like the biggest source of that is definitely playing music with other people as a result of how to break up with your phone I ended up with a lot more free time and then I freaked out about that because I didn't know what to do with that time yeah right and so I, I asked myself this question I was asking people for how to break up your phone which I encourage listeners to ask themselves which is what's something you say you want to do but supposedly don't have time for because the average person is spending about four hours a day on their phones that was before the pandemic so like we have time that's 60 full days a year it's like a quarter of your waking life and I decided to learn to play guitar. And like long story short, that introduced me to an entire new community of people. I did gain a new skill, but more importantly, I just I gained a community. And I, and I started to have this feeling I've since identified as fun, which is what yeah. inspired The Power of Fun, my new book. Anyway, so now what I do instead of scrolling is that I try to prioritize spending time with people playing music. So just last night, I actually had my first practice session with a new band that uh, has grown out of this guitar class and we spent like three hours playing music together and we used our phones for tabs to look up chords. So, you know, again, like phones can be really useful tools,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: we were engaged in person. And anyway, so that's what I personally choose to prioritize. But I think each of us has a collection of activities and people who are more likely to lead to fun for us than others. I think of them as fun magnets. And so my recommendation would be to try to figure out what those are for you and then prioritize them. And then your screen time is going to go down somewhat naturally because the other stuff feels so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's that sense of connection, that in-person doing something, disconnecting. So it's more about like finding, I I like that you said, what did you say? Something magnet?
1: Fun magnet. So I think of a fun magnet. Yeah. So basically like, I think no one act fun is a feeling it's not an activity like you know i could play guitar with like other people or the same people on a different and it could not feel fun there's something serendipitous Mm -hmm. about whether or not fun happens you know but and then each of us finds it in different ways but we each have this like collection of yeah as i say fun magnets activities people or even settings that are more likely to lead to fun for us personally so like one of my husbands is overnight hiking trips that is not a fun magnet for me <laughs> it's like an anti-fun magnet yeah and he doesn't play music so that's not a fun magnet for him but if you can figure out what yours are you can prioritize them and if you're in a relationship and you can figure out what the other person's fun magnets are you can make space for them to enjoy them and you can also figure out what you share in common so you can prioritize those i think it just helps us make more intentional decisions about how to allocate our leisure time
0: yes Yes. Very well said. Similarly on our podcast, we help people simplify their lives and live with greater intention once they've removed the excess from their lives. So it's very in line with this conversation. And I think that a lot of people, they... I think a lot of people get stuck in that excess and they're like, they don't know what to do. And they feel paralyzed in ways. And, and, and I think, I think it's partially because of our phones that causes all of this clutter, mental clutter, anxiety. And so a lot of these tips are super, super helpful. And I know a lot of people will be able to take away a lot from this conversation, but now when it comes to those who feel like they need to always be around their phones, like what, what can they do? I'll I'll give you the example. So what if someone has an elderly parent uh, who lives on their own and they feel like they need to be on call, they need to be on their phone 24 seven, what can they do to better manage their phone?
1: Yeah. So I think that that's like a a version of FOMO, right? Like there's two as I see it, two main drivers that cause us to be constantly tethered to our phones. And one is that our most time-sucking apps are deliberately designed to mimic slot machines, which in turn, hook us by triggering the release of a brain chemical called dopamine which basically re- it, it tells your brain that whatever you're doing is worth doing again and again and again so the more dopamine triggers a product has the more you're going to want to come back and use it like a slot machine is packed with dopamine triggers so it's really hard to get up from the slot machine right our phones actually borrow tricks directly from the slot machines like bright colors unpredictability novelty so that's one part of it the other part that's or thing that's driving us to always be in our phones is this FOMO. Like we've been conditioned to believe that checking our phones is worth doing again and again to the point that when we're not on our phones, we often feel this sense of anxiety, right? And then like, what do you do to make that anxiety go away? Well, you check your phone again. And then what do you find there? You find a dopamine trigger and that dopamine trigger will tell your brain that it was worth checking your phone. So you get this cycle. So when people say things like, oh yeah, that sounds great, but I really can't step away because of work or because of an elderly parent or blah, 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 blah. I get that. Like, there's always like a little bit of truth there. Right. That's like, mm-hmm. but it also is a justification that if you start to peel back layers, you either realize is not as necessarily what's the right word. Like, there's ways around it. In other words, like if your true reason or if your true concern, is that you don't want to miss a call from an elderly parent. Well, there are ways to adjust the settings on your phone so that you are not disturbed for anyone other than a select group of people who call you. And you can also pick different ringtones for different people. You can tell them that if they really need you, they should text you twice or three, I forgot how many times it is, but there's a feature in iPhones at least that if the same message comes through or if you text like urgent, it will break through the do not disturb settings, right? Like it Mm -hmm. might take a bit of, planning, but there are solutions to this. Or there are still landline telephones. We have a voice over internet phone. Like I don't really want to have a whole landline, you know, traditional plan, but we just have, it's called a VoIP, voice over internet protocol. And it's like $9 a month and that's a house phone. So if we put our phones away and, you know, I have elderly parents, if they need to call, they normally try ourselves first. And if they can't get that, they call the house phone. Right. And then I would also ask yourself, depending on what your your emergency situation is, like, what is the likelihood that that is going to happen compared to the rest of moments in your life? Then what would the consequence be if you were not reachable for 15 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, a night? Like, what would the consequence be? I don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's that Mm -hmm. someone would die, in which case, yes, you need to, you know, like, I've got type 1 diabetes, and like, if I had a kid with type 1 diabetes, and I was using my phone to monitor their glucose levels right during the night that'd be a different situation but i would encourage everyone to ask themselves what are you actually concerned about is that concern valid because honestly there are times when it's an excuse like people will be like i have to be on my phone all the time because of work but really do every really yeah. like you can't check email every hour or two instead of every five minutes mm-hmm. and then ask yourself what the likelihood is that that emergency will happen and then ask yourself okay well what can I do to make sure that I am alerted in that situation? And if you go through those steps, this is totally unscientific, but I would say that a majority of cases, there's some workaround you can do that will actually allow you to deal with the emergency if it happens without having to constantly be on your phone. Mm. So I think you kind of have to dig there a little bit and there's no one answer. You know, It depends on what your particular situation is, but we all can do a little bit of uncovering to figure out whether it's a real thing, whether it's kind of an excuse.
0: Yeah. Whether there's a
1: way to work around it. Um, But it can be very revealing. You know, journalists are like, I can't get off my phone because of Twitter. I'm like, what news story are you going to break on Twitter? And also it's driving you crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it it causes that person anxiety. And so it's like, if there's, these are some great solutions. I really love the idea of a landline or or would you say a void system? A void,
1: a VOIP. I I think we've got one. I think it's called an UMA, but there's like a number of them.
0: Okay. And then maybe I, I was thinking, oh, maybe there you have a friend. If there's an emergency, they can well, also that call that person, right? Exactly. So.
1: Like define an emergency and then figure out how to communicate in an emergency. And that's true for work too. You know, so many people are like, I can't leave my phone because I might get something by email or whatever. Like mm-hmm. emergencies shouldn't be communicated by email. Ideally you'd figure right. out what's an emergency and then that should be a phone call because so many people are just not present, you know, in their time mm-hmm. off because they're monitoring work email. So yes. I was also going to say, just, um, you reminded me about the focus on minimalization, like cleaning up, decluttering your life. Another practical suggestion, in addition to reducing your notifications slash interruptions is to clean up your home screen because most of us have home screens that just have every app that we ever downloaded, just dumped onto them in a random order. And in many cases, some of the most time sucking apps, I think of them as problem apps are right there on the home screen with their very carefully designed icons that are there to tempt you. So take a minute today to look at your home screen. Like I, I know this is not a video podcast, but if I showed you my home screen, it's totally black except for the four icons on the bottom, which by the way, are same. customizable. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, we
0: do. We do the same thing. My co-host and I, we, we put all of our apps into the folders on the bottom of our phone. So it's black, but I'm going to put your, yes. your custom screensaver on mine after this
1: call. <laughs> yeah. We'll try that, you know, and then like when that wears off, because you'll get used to looking at it, you go back, but it's really useful. And then is probably is true for you too. That means if I want to launch an app, I have to pull down the search bar and I search for the app. And I actually turned off the auto suggestions so it doesn't automatically fill it in because like I want to, you know, like have to work for it essentially. But that's that's a great way to make, your, make it less likely to get sucked into your phone. And again, to turn it into a tool instead of a temptation is like, don't have temptations on it. Ideally, delete your problematic apps and just either check them from a browser or install them when you want to use them and then delete them again. I think of that as an on again, off again relationship. Like you really want to check Instagram right now. Okay. It'll take 20 seconds to redownload Instagram, which side note will often be long enough to make you not check Instagram. Cause you didn't really want to check it. You were just going for a dopamine hit and then just get it off afterwards. Like they're not going to lose your data. That's how they make money.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. You, you did remind us in your book that when you delete the app, you're not deleting. You're you're deleting the
1: app. You're not yeah. deleting
0: your access like your yeah your profile is still in the cloud like they still have it
1: still there yeah (laughs) you're just deleting the little icon but anyway but make your phone again it's customizable but like try to Go is cl- like when I did have apps on my home screen, when it wasn't just black, I would just keep um, tools that increased my efficiency or productivity or that supported habits that I really wanted to be cultivating. So I had like maps because whoever has gotten sucked into a 45 minute, you know, Google spir- like mm. Google Maps spiral or banking or, you know, health chart. And then I had um, like a guitar tuner and a meditation app and like my guitar tabs because those are things I wanted to be doing. Like a positive use of my phone so yeah i I found that to be it's just funny it's something many of us don't think to do Mm because we just allow the default to become our default too but it's very important to make sure that your phone is is not cluttered because then you'll be cluttered when you look at your phone
0: yeah and when you see other people's phones that are full of those apps you're like oh i, I yeah. want to tell you about my phone i know <laughs> you're you know. like it could be so much less stressful look i'm exactly. actually talk about it after this but yeah i'm going to share it with our with our listeners on social because i i remember we we did once back in the day and every it just everybody was wow how did you do this how did you do this this looks so good but you might you um, might want
1: also share with them there's um a way you can make it so that you can toggle your screen between color and black and white just by hitting the side uh, this is like an iphone but by hitting the side button three times fast. It's under the accessibility features and it's a pain to describe it, but it's really effective because it means that when you want it to be color, like you want to show someone a photograph, it's easy to get it. You don't have to go digging in settings to get it to be back to color, but then you can oh. turn it back to black and white. And that's just fascinating because, wow, you can really feel how colors are going again to what we we're saying about noticing your physical sensations. To see your phone in black and white is such a different experience from seeing it in the vivid colors that we normally experience it through.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And and all, all again, and all of the imagery, like we're looking at all of that. And so it's making us think about all these apps, right? we It's in our subconscious too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And even like the color, I mean, all the colors are deliberately chosen. And if you think about like oh. the notification badges, which you should turn off also, they're called badges, the red bubbles. That red is the exact same color as a stop sign. And it's the exact same color as blood. Or like a bright berry. Like that is not just happenstance. That is a deliberately chosen color that's there to make it really difficult not to pay attention to. And then humans have this like weird grooming instinct where actually, just what you're talking about, we want to clean it up. We want that to go away. And the only way to do that is to click into the app to make the bubble go away. But then you just started a 45. Like that's how you get into those Mm. spirals where you look up and you don't know what happened because you innocently just wanted, you know, like the little three, you know, red bubble next to TikTok or whatever to go away. And then it's like, Oh, Damn
0: you're right. The dot, when someone calls me, I missed a call or something. It's a red dot. Even yes. I mean, they're all,
1: aren't they all red dots? I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. They're moment. all red. It's a specific red. It's, it's, it's very... urgent. It's
0: urgent. It's urgent. Right. Exactly. Like that's what it's telling us. And that's even when I send emails and I'll highlight a line, I won't ever make it red because red <laughs> is red is pushy. Make it, make it blue. Yeah. <laughs> red is, if it's red, it's urgent. If it's not urgent, don't make it red.
1: <laughs> or just turn them off because like you're just gonna want them to go away and you're just gonna be Actually, I've got one friend who's got a hundred more than a hundred thousand unread messages on his mail app. And whenever I see his phone, I get stressed out seeing that. Oh yeah. But I don't I don't even keep mail on my phone because I'm like, I have a problem with email in the news. So I don't keep them on my phone. That's the other thing. If you know it's a problem, like If you were trying not to drink, you wouldn't keep beer in your fridge. That would be a stupid idea, right? Right. And, like, if you're trying not to get sucked into whatever your problematic apps are, don't have them, at very least, on the home screen. But ideally, don't have them on your phone, even for a couple days. Like, it doesn't have to be permanent, but just try taking them off. And notice how often your finger hovers over where it used to be. Right. And notice what happens if you you keep them off for a couple days more and just see as you begin to acclimatized to not having it on there, like what difference it makes in your life and also in your mental, like your mental state.
0: Oh yeah. And, and, and maybe if you, if you bring your phone into your bed with you at night, which obviously is is another serious issue that a lot of people do is like, you're seeing all these images and you're scrolling, you're scrolling, scrolling. So yeah, if you, if you've set it up better, you might not feel as anxious and you'll probably most likely sleep better. It's not just the blue light. There's so much more. Like some people they'll scroll through Instagram, they'll look at the news they'll look at all these other apps and then they'll go to shut eye. Like you're not
1: going to have a quality sleep. Well, it's also interesting to think in terms of the light itself, right? Like if the, the blue light in particular is the same as daylight, like the screen light is the same as daylight. So if you're looking at your phone right before bed, you're telling your body it's day right when you're trying to go to sleep. So you're essentially mm-hmm. giving yourself jet lag. And I mean that, so I would actually really recommend if you're trying to start with like one thing, if you can protect the, the hour or so right before bed and the hour or so right when you wake up, You're going to like take control of nearly maybe even half your day depending on how much you sleep you know like that's really important you're going to sleep better you're going to have time for whatever hobby you want to do before bed and then in the morning you're not going to let whatever notifications and interruptions on your phone are waiting for you Mm -hmm. derail your entire day like that's why you really need to get a standalone alarm clock because if you think about it the only way to turn off an alarm clock or the main way is to touch the alarm clock and so if your phone is your alarm clock you're going to interact with your phone is the absolute first thing you do when you wake up in the morning yep. and then you know and then you'll wonder why you f- spend every day feeling scattered and unproductive and unfocused well try changing that one little thing and again give yourself an alternative do you want to write in your journal in the morning do you want to just sit and have a cup of coffee and look out a window you know whatever it might be do you want to spend those 10 minutes doing some stretches like pick something and experiment with it for a couple of days it doesn't need to be a life change it's like a bite-sized piece and just notice what a difference it makes
0: yeah, No, hundred percent. I, I would say that the, that's actually one of the biggest changes in my life. So I always felt anxious, right when I woke, in the, woke up in the morning from all these messages, and it's because I would turn off my alarm and I would open up my phone automatically. Now what I'm trying to do is unfortunately I don't have an alarm clock. I think that's a great idea, but right now I'm just using my phone. I'll turn off my alarm and I will, I will put my phone away and I won't look at it for the first, at least 30 minutes. Cause I just want to wake up. I don't want to have to respond immediately because it makes me feel anxious and I'm aware of that. And so I think that's a really good tip. And one of the biggest lines that was that I really highlight in your book was you said how you do anything is how you do everything. You reference that line in your book and it's, it's so true. I mean, if we wake up feeling anxious for the rest of the day, it'll probably make us feel anxious throughout every other thing a task that we do throughout the day right so yeah
1: I think I got that from a yoga teacher but I remember they were using it in reference to like brushing your teeth you know are you brushing your teeth while you're also checking your phone or like trying to
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know multi like I, sometimes I try to make the bed while brushing my teeth and then I think of that line I'm like oh this is how I'm doing everything I'm trying to do two things at once and not really doing either of them necessarily as well as I could or should be
0: Yeah. You recommend attention focused workouts, whether that's taking a, uh, take a music bath. You said write a journal, uh, yoga meditation, read, uh, my co-host, what she does is she doesn't look at her phone in the morning at all. She wakes up, she has her coffee. She looks out the window and she goes for a walk. She's like, I'm a grandma, but I don't care. It makes me feel (laughs)
1: Yeah, very I mean, somebody who's said for being a grandma when you're, you know, like, <laughs> but no, your assignment today is totally to get yourself a, an alarm clock, get yourself a nice one that you're excited about. Someone just give me a hatch one that wakes you up with the sun. Like it has a light that slowly illuminates the room. So it's like a <sighs> sun thing. So, but, but I actually, my, my alarm clock for the past seven years has been our daughter who is very yeah. consistent. So you yeah. guys <laughs> just borrow a child, but uh, in lieu of that it comes with a lot of other strings attached. Um, you could just get yourself, a, get yourself a nice alarm clock. You deserve it. And absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: thank you. Thank you. I'm definitely going to look it up after this. So yeah. to close our conversation, you recently released a new book that goes, as you said, hand in hand with how to break up with your phone. It's titled the power of fun, how to feel alive again, super powerful. Can you share a synopsis and how it further helps us achieve screen life balance?
1: yeah so as i was mentioning before the two are directly related in that it was because i had broken up with my phone that i ended up with this free time freaked out didn't know what to do with it signed up for this guitar guitar class and then had this feeling where i was like what is this feeling like i'm a happy person but i realized oh my god this feeling is fun it's just this feeling of release and letting go and being fully present and my authentic self and connecting with people and anyway so the synopsis of the power of fun is actually it's very similar in structure to how to break up with your phone in that it starts with an exploration of what fun actually is like Mm -hmm. looking anew at this concept. We think we understand, but in reality, most of us have not thought about there's not really a very good definition of fun. So then I propose a new definition of fun, which I can go into if you want, but I propose a new definition of fun and then I make the case for why it's actually very good for us, not just emotionally, but also physically because Whereas when we're on our screens all the time, we're often very stressed out and anxious, both and disconnected, ironically, all of which are really bad for us physically. When we have fun, we're relaxed and we're very socially connected with other people. And those have profound physical effects, like down to the level of gene expression, like what genes are turned on and off and therefore arguably could impact our risks for disease. Like it's pretty crazy. And then the second half of the book, it just is in how to break up with your phone. I've got a 30 day plan to break up with your phone. The second half of the power of fun is my attempt to walk people through the process of building more fun into their everyday lives because it's not helpful at all to say, have more fun, like what the heck does that mean? So I really Mm -hmm. wanted to turn fun from this nebulous abstract concept into something over which we have more control. So I created a framework called Spark. actually the first letter of which is short for make space. So very much what we're talking about, how do you make space in your life to have more fun? Um, But it's meant to help people again, like have a practical step-by-step approach for building more fun into your life. And actually, if it's of interest to people, I actually just launched two courses based on my books, um, which (laughs) I kind of love this. They're delivered by text message because I feel like that's where you need it the most. And I love the idea of your phone breaking up with you. But that's, you know, for anyone who's like, okay, that sounds great, but I'm not going to read the whole book. Like it's actually like bite-sized pieces. So if people want to check that out, it's at screenlifebalance.com but I did one for each of the books.
0: Wow. That's great. I, I love that you talk about uh, fun magnets. I, 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 <laughs> it really stuck with me. I mean, I, this morning I went for a run and I just run with my Apple watch. I don't bring my phone with me. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is like this activity where it's a lot of fun for me and I disconnect and I listen to music, but I listen to instrumental so I can actually oh. think. Because I find that when when it has words in it, I'm thinking about the music and my thoughts are everywhere. So
1: Yeah, well, you know, also just the, you're making me think like we, I think there's another irony in that we feel guilty in many ways about like doing things just for the sake of enjoyment, just for ourselves so that we enjoy our lives. But then we spend so much time doing stuff that doesn't help anybody and also makes us feel bad, like the doom scrolling, right? I mean, why not? <laughs> Cut out the doom scrolling and the mindless scrolling because that's just useless and prioritize the things you really enjoy because I'm going to guess that that fills up your reserves for, you know, the rest of the day and makes you better at your job, makes you more present, makes you more focused. Like it has all these benefits that come from having given yourself the gift of something that you enjoy.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very well said. Well, I've had so much fun chatting with you today. This is so great. There are so many tips in our discussion today. <laughs> so thank you so much. And there is so much more in your book. You get you share so many studies, so many examples of even how people can't even go 50 minutes without their phone. <laughs> they basically rather get shocked. Yes, uh, oh You'll have gosh. to read the book to hear more. <laughs> yes. But where can our listeners find you?
1: Um, yeah, I would say sign up for my newsletter at ScreenLifeBalance.com would be the best thing to do. And on the same site, you will find information about my courses and about the free re- free resources that we've been talking about, like the free lock screen images and the um, tips for a twenty four hour break. So ScreenLifeBalance.com. And I don't you can follow me on social media if you would like to, um, but the main way I communicate with people is through the newsletter.
0: Okay, fantastic. And I'll be checking it out myself after this discussion. So I'm excited.
1: Sounds great. Well, thank you so yeah. much for the conversation. Yeah,
0: no, this is great. And uh, I will be sending you a picture of my phone with your screen. Yes, Gas <laughs> saver. Okay. So thank it. you so much.
1: I love it. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for listening. That was my discussion with science journalist, speaker, and author Catherine Price, and I hope that you are left feeling motivated to improve your relationship with your phone. I highly recommend reading How to Break Up with Your Phone, as well as Catherine's latest book, The Power of Fun, which is packed with additional tips to help you find better screen life balance and make room for more fun. And you can learn more about Catherine and her courses at screenlifebalance.com, which includes her 30-day breakup course designed to help us scroll less and live more. And her 14-day course called Find Your Fun to help us reduce stress and feel alive again. And special for our listeners, you can get 20% off both courses by using the promo code MINIMALISTS at checkout and you can find a direct link to each of these courses in our show notes. Plus you can also sign up for Catherine's newsletter and receive fun lock screen images to help you be more intentional with your phone. I've already updated my phone with one of Catherine's lock screen images that says what for, why now, and what else and I absolutely love it. I think we can all agree that sometimes when we check our phones we intend to do one thing but then minutes later we find ourselves on another app and going down a rabbit hole. But luckily we have the power to manage our phones better. And as Catherine says, outsmart our smartphones. So thanks again for listening, everyone. And together, let's start scrolling less and living more. We'll speak with you soon. Bye-bye.